Taylor's Tins, one of the best there is. A good friend of ours and supporter of National Fire Radio. He comes up first in a lineup of sponsors because he means that much to me. Taylor's been with us from day one. I hit him up on day one and said, brother, I love your shield. I love what it represents. I'd like to give them out to all of our podcast guests. And from day one, almost five years ago, we've been issuing Taylor's Tins to all of our guests as a keepsake and recognition for their willingness to share some time and their story with us in our community at National Fire Radio. These aluminum helmet fronts, they change the market. They're revolutionary in what they do. Even if you're a traditionalist with the leather shield, the aluminum shield offers so much when it comes to durability, cleanliness, decon. They can do it all with the aluminum shield. Their customer service, let's talk about that for a minute, where things usually take several weeks now to get your hands on them from the from conception to manufacturing process and out the door and onto your helmet. Taylor can turn around orders within 48 hours, whether it's a 500-piece shield order for your department or a one-off customized shield. Taylor's doing them, and he's doing them within 48 hours, and they're getting out the door. It's not just the helmet shields. Nope, there's more. They got locker tags, carbon monoxide meter, you know, data sheets. They have pump data sheets, pump tags, locker tags, street signs, banquet gifts. You name it, the list goes on and on. Check them out at taylorstins.com. That's where they conduct business. You can hit them up on the chat right there. They walk you through the process of designing your custom Taylor's Tin from the website. So go to taylorstins.com, check them out. They represent the very best of what the American Fire Service is all about, and I'm proud to have them as a sponsor of the National Fire Radio platform. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather. Another great sponsor of the National Fire Radio podcast, Fire Department Coffee. Based out of Rockford, Illinois, Fire Department Coffee is a veteran-owned, firefighter-run coffee company dedicated to providing great-tasting, freshly roasted coffee to people everywhere. Along with providing a growing selection of incredible coffee, including signature spirit-infused roasts, Fire Department Coffee also supports our fellow first responders in need through the Fire Department Coffee Foundation by giving back to those who have been injured on the job, mentally or physically, or who are facing other serious health challenges. They are a company that supports our own. Check out Fire Department Coffee. They have so much to offer. Jason Patton and his crew are good friends of the National Fire Radio brand. We appreciate them for being a sponsor of our podcast. Check them out. Fire Department Coffee. They're brewing coffee to support us. It's fun to do the podcast when we have incredible guests on to share their story because the whole intent from day one, Dave, was... um, you know, to share the story of the senior man, you know, too many guys were leaving a job pissed off and disgruntled and taking all their knowledge and experience with them. After a 25, 30, 40 year career, they leave and they take everything with them and they haven't left anything behind because three out of the last 40 years, they were disgruntled and they left. And, you know, that that's troubling to me. And so, you know, it's important to document the stories and experiences so we can pay it forward. And so that's what National Fire Radio's podcast was built on. And that's why we did the interviews. But these short daily clips that we're doing 45 minutes to an hour tops, I think they're hitting some things that people want to hear about. And so that's why the deep dive on conversations and specifics in the industry matter. And and so that's what we're doing. So without further ado, because I hit the record button because you and I are already rapping, so I figured we'd catch it. Uh, Dave Gallagher, Huber Heights, Ohio, retired lieutenant, 30 years in the American Fire Service and going even more. I mean, that's 30 years on the line, right? Yes, sir. So, and and now you travel, teaching, you do a lot of hot training, you work with uh, different training companies and academies and you're out there, you do a lot of firefighter written survival training um, and so on. Dave, you have such a colorful past in the American Fire Service. You're one of those guys I was introduced long ago, and it was incredible that every time I got a chance to sit with you and talk, there was another story that I just would sit there and go like, oh my God, he was there too. He was there. He was involved. He knows this guy. He, he was there. It's incredible. I mean, you, you have such a colorful career that like to the point where I've been on you now for what, two years? What, <laughs> yes. what am, what um, am I trying to, go yeah, ahead. I know. Sue, Sue just said, 
you're going to be, you know, an hour with him, and then it's going to be another half hour while he chastises you. So yeah, yeah and, and tell <laughs> tell everyone that's listening, why am I going to chastise you? Well, Jeremy has this idea that um, some of my past experiences, you know, the small town approach. I'm I'm certainly not a a ghetto metro firefighter, uh, but seeing how most of the United States isn't right a um, metro ghetto firefighter. Just, you know, some stories from a small town. And Jeremy wants to write, Jerry wants me to write a book about this. And I have to say, after um, looking at uh, J.M. Kearney, yeah. uh, I enjoyed his stuff. And we, we've actually become friends on Facebook. Nice. Chatting a few different things and, and some of the other great ones that are out there. Uh, and it's just, you know, a little story here, a little story there. It, it's not voluminous by any stretch of the imagination but it's like you know maybe something where the, that that individual in the small town is going yeah we had something like that and if nothing else you know bring back a memory create a dialogue and even for you know us old retired guys um yeah. So, so listen, right? So my my biggest thing is the guys that are putting out the most content are the urban guys that the guys that work in urban settings that go to a lot of fires and their pedigree allows them to put out information where people consider them to be vetted and, and you know, street credit is is awarded to them, rightfully so. But the problem is, is like 90 percent of the American fire service is suburban and rural and the tactics there are different. And the experience yes. there are a little bit different. Firefighting is the same across the board when we cross the threshold. But, man, is there so many different variables that go into it before and after. And so, you know, for me, we need to do a better job at pushing out content that represents the greater uh, the greater group in the American fire service and that urban tactics don't often translate to suburban tactics. And you were on a limited uh, staffed department that went to work in a, in a more suburban community. However... You have incredible experiences and knowledge that you've learned from the line over the years that you could share. Well, it, and yes, and I've been very blessed uh, to do that. And, you know, to go back to what Jay Urban was talking about, too, is, um, you know, I, I would go to the firehouses. I would go to FDIC. I would do that, try to bring information back and was immediately quashed. Um you know, that a lot of what he said rang home to me. And, and we find that, I think, in, in the suburban setting, you know, uh, I would dare say, and, and if I'm wrong, correct me, but, you know, you and I both have friends in some of the biggest fire departments absolutely, in, in the world. And some will tell you that their chief or, you know, their deputy or their battalion or whatever knows everybody, but there's a lot more that do not know everybody and don't recognize faces and don't take the time to find out the faces. That's fine. In the suburban setting, rural setting, volunteer setting, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And all your foibles, all your missteps personally, uh, let alone professionally, man, it goes through like wildfire. Um, you know, I things go on in my life that I thought were nice and secret until I came into the firehouse and somebody <laughs> said, Hey, and it's like, wow, that got out quick. Yeah. You know, and, and we had, we had a, we had that saying telephone, telegraph, telefireman. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. You know, so it, it's a, it's a different tenor. It's a different relationship. Um, and even though, and I think that's another thing a lot of us in the suburbs don't understand these guys in the big cities that are on the 1014s or, you know, how many platoon system or, or whatever, they're not working with the same people all the time. Right. Each one of them in that house and that six member crew represents a different tour. So yeah, sometimes they work together. Sometimes it's another set of people, et cetera. Dude, we go, we go with, we see same faces every day. Yes. And, and that can get, it can it can hone a great crew because you learn strengths, weaknesses, respect, or it can, you know, you're trying to hold stuff together with bubble gum and bailing wire, and it can be very stressful. Uh, no doubt. And, and not only that, but the smaller department, the less of an outlet. And so, you know, when you're oh, looking, yeah. you know, and so the good can come from it that you're well-oiled working with the same, you know, few guys every single day. And when it clicks, it clicks. 
But when it doesn't click, man, hang on, because, the, you know, it, it, it just makes for a very rough ride. Oh, absolutely. The one thing, too, um, touching a little bit back on what uh, Jay had talked about, yeah. was that when you had that crew and you had that good crew, it was my experience that we almost became isolated from the rest of the department. Not intentionally, not by any stretch of the imagination, but we had people that wanted to swap with our people so they could come work on our crew. Um, We had other lieutenants that would tell people that came from our shift, and, and I mean, not just my crew, but our shift, that don't expect to do that stuff here. We don't do that crap. You know, like taking taking the irons in a can with you. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and stuff like, what are you bringing that for? It's just a fire alarm. Yeah, well, you know, you ever heard about Memphis? You know, you ever, and all that type of stuff. So, so going back to the education and the and the outside stuff, we made it work, but we almost felt at times isolated uh, because the rest of the department didn't like what we did um, because they didn't understand it or more appropriately as the two of you guys talked, they didn't want to understand it. Uh, imitation, uh, Im- intimidation, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's, that's one of the fun things is when you often find an aggressive company or department, they're usually chastised by the other companies that work with them or the mutual aid they go to because they don't understand. <laughs> it's, it's not a fact. It's not a fact that they're showboating. It's not a fact that they think they're better than anyone else. They just operate. And people exactly. get people get intimidated by that, Dave. Yeah, you know, in in the uh, in my past, our department, uh, I will say as a whole, was was you know we were the only career department on the north side of our county at that time. Yeah, I mean everybody else is now blossomed. We're talking thirty years ago. Um, and if you had a fire, you know they knew we were coming. Uh, you know the rest of the departments were part-time or, you know, banker's hours or completely uh, volunteer or whatever. But boy, you, you know, you called Uber, we showed up. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a 10 minute run. But we got we'll there. be there. No problem. Yeah. And when you get there, you go to work. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Well, and, and that's, and that's kind of what, when you asked me what I wanted to talk about, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're good with it. Yeah, let's go. About being present. Yes. Um, we had a reputation. Some people, you know, ran with it. Some didn't. Some just, you know, it's just like everything else, everybody else, everybody else's department. Uh, I always said you could, if you had a a five-member crew, it's the same clowns, man. It's the the same clowns. It's it's the one that's all about the job, right? Eats it, breathes it, drinks it, you know, reads everything. Uh, You got the other one that if your shift changes at 7.30 in the morning, at 729, they got their car fired up and they're ready to leave. Hell yeah. They won't pick up a magazine. They won't look at a video. Uh, they Nothing. You know, they're either going to their side job or, or whatever, and you don't see them for 48 hours. And boom, right? Um, you've got the ones that have had significant issues. Right. And it's curious how they always team up with the born-again Christians. <laughs> and then you've got – it is. It, You're it, right. It is. You're right. It is. Uh, you know, I had that on my crew, and I mean, I had great guys, and it was like all, cha- all the boxes were getting checked off. You know, um, I went to Jersey for a training, and got talking to a really good friend of mine, and uh, it was his department, and I said, you know, that that's kind of what I what I observe in a lot of departments. And he turned around, he started laughing, and he goes. Yep, that guy there, and that guy there, and that gal there, and you know, da, 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 da. Oh, yeah. it's like, yep, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and it's curious how we attract, I, what do I want to call it, emotional. Okay. Is, is that a good yeah. term? Emotional diversity. Yeah. You know, you got the clown, you got the serious one, you got, you know, the whole thing. Um, and before I get too far down the rabbit hole, uh, you know that I'm a huge history buff. Absolutely. And We're going to, I was going to get into that. Go ahead. Okay. Yep. No, but go. I, I've seen, and I've read a whole lot. Um, 
And going back to successes and failures, there are as many famous, uh, and we'll just do a broad brush, generals that are known for their successes as there are for their failures. Right. You say a, a, a general's name, let's say from the Civil War, people go, oh, yeah, you know, Hancock was amazing or whatever. Oh, Sickles, he sucked. But, you know, to this day. But it, it goes back to what I, when you asked me what I want to talk about was yeah. being present. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a long time, not unlike Jay. Uh, I was promoted on a Friday, had my first career on a Monday. There was no break-in. There was no officer training school. Dude, I made every mistake there was to make. I, I truly did. I yeah. was at the end of my rope. I was like, I can't do anything right here. Um, but there was there was nothing as far as, as training people. I mean, you're getting along with everybody one day. Now you pop to a new crew. I know these guys by reputation, but now I'm supposed to be their boss. What right. the heck? But I think that resiliency over time and trying to find mentors, uh, that's the biggest thing, uh, I think, if somebody's newly promoted or, or aspiring to that. But by the same token, when we talk about being present, being present with not just a warm button of seat, but, you know, is your mind there? Is your game on? Yeah. Um, you know, I, one of the things I'll take away, and I'm sorry to keep going back to Jay, but I think he had some great points. If you have a good job, you have a good fire, you know, auto accident, whatever, that I'm fortunate to say is one of the first things we did. Hey, what do you guys think went well? And it, it was like, blah, 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 blah. Absolutely. You know, maybe I don't agree with you all the way on that, but we'll talk about it. What do you think could have been improved? And they him and they on Yeah, you know, I could have done this or, you know, could have done that. Yeah, probably. You know, what do you guys think? But it was collective at that point in time. And if it was a, if it was a significant issue, then I asked that person, hey, got an idea. Yeah, what's that? Make up a half-hour training on that topic. Right. And we'll do it next tour. Mm-hmm. You know, even at Table Talk out in the Bay, yeah, I was struggling. Okay, just give me 30 minutes of your time, man. Yeah. You know? So, Dave, let me ask you, being present, right? I mean, there's there's so – it's it's in, it's in it's two words, but there's so much behind them because – it's being present for your people. It's being present for your department. Yes. It's being present for the public that you serve, but it's also being present for yourself. And so prioritizing, because it's a juggling act all the time, and it's funny that I say juggling because I wrote down same clowns, different circus, right? Like, right. And that goes back to what you were saying. And so, you know, it's it's that fine balancing act that we all have to do in the firehouse, Um as, and then as you mature and promote up the line, it becomes even more of a delicate balancing act. When you're trying to do the best for all, it is very hard to be present for everyone. And so the prioritizing your presence, speak to that a little bit. I mean, I'm sure, like you said, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made every mistake I could make coming up the line, right? But you take accountability for your mistakes, you own it because it's the only way you're going to better yourself and learn from it. And so, you know, how does that process work for you in realizing that, hey, these mistakes that I've made along the way are making me a better person, a better firefighter, a better boss. And then that leads into, hey, I've learned through experience how I need to behave, act, and, and perform. And that leads me to being better at being present. Well, I think one of the first things you have to do and it's hard uh, because you have to figure out where you are. It's kind of like getting dropped. Uh, it's like playing Monopoly in the dark for a little bit. You know, where am I? <laughs> What's going on? You flip the light switch on and it's like, wow, I'm not anywhere where I thought I was. So one of the things I think is, is, is very helpful in this day and age is that we are pulling information from outside sources, people outside of the fire services, the Jocko Wilnicks, the uh, Dave Grossmans, uh, you know, pick up any book on leadership or experience or, or self-resiliency, you know, Rick George is awesome. He's in our, in our field. Right. But I, but we weren't taught to look at ourselves first back then. Uh, now I think it's a good idea that we do. In that, where are we? Who are we? What's going on? Where and where do we want to be? 
But I also believe when you say they, when you say that that's focusing on yourself. Correct. OK. Correct. OK. Yeah. We need to figure out what we're doing, because if we can't figure out what we're doing, you know, we shouldn't even get in the car to drive to work in the morning. Um, but I th- because there's so much going on out there and, I, and I've seen it over and over uh, when I was teaching, you know, recruits at fire academies or even doing outreach programs at different fire departments, even today. The, the draw of everything else but me is so incredible. Uh, the, the affectations of, of, you know, you talk about a lot, social media, et cetera, et cetera. But who are we? Where are we going with this? Um, one thing I have kind of found disturbing, I was doing uh, for a fire academy, I was doing instructor one. I had people in there not even a year on the job. Yeah. I'm like, well, why are you here? Yeah. Well, you know, I have to have fire officer. I have to have this, 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 and this, you know, so I can get promoted. Why? Well, it's more money. That's your motivation. You know, if I had the red button ejection seat, it would have, you're out of here. <laughs> and the, the academies, and not for good, in my opinion, have changed a lot in the way they deal with things because they've had to cave to outside resources. Um, I went to see Top Gun Maverick. Uh, How was that, by the way? I have not seen it yet. It was awesome. Was it? Okay, cool. Because there's a lot of stuff you will identify with. Got it. Um, There's a, a part where Cruz's character is introduced to a classroom full of Top Gun, you know, winners. They finished first in their class. Sure. Right, right. Right. And the overall commander says something to the effect of, well, these are best, the best fighter pilots in the world. And he goes, that's because we've told them they are. Oh, I love that. And I was like, yep. You've never been up against an enemy. You've never been in a fire. But you think you're all that in a bag of chips and you can lead people into harm's way? We're doing a terrible job in formulating combat firefighters, but that can be for another time uh, because it, it, it just is. And I think that's why when you and I see each other at the Joey D's or at FDIC or wherever, you know, we are, yeah, that these attendees, and they're not kids, these attendees look at us and go, wow. Nobody's ever shown us that before. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I mean, Why well, not. So go ahead. But go anyway, ahead. finish anyway. your thought. Yeah. Yeah. But back to, you know, back to being present, it, it's a matter of, oh, and I'm trying to figure out how to put this right. I meet down here in Florida, I meet a lot of retirees, you know, and a lot of them from the FTNY. Right. You start talking to these guys. Their whole mood changes. They're still into the firehouse. They're still into the fire service. Yes. They've been out as long as I have, a little bit shorter, some longer. And they still want to talk about it. They are present. They've always been present. They were those firefighters in those houses that made those houses great. Um, I don't see that light, that same light in people coming up. Don't get me wrong. They're aggressive. They're knowledgeable. But I'm not sure at the end of the day or the end of their career, they're going to have that same light. And, you know, half of them are going to go, man, I'm glad I'm out of here. I'm done with this. You know, boom, on. And you meet others of us that go, dude, what I wouldn't give for one more day in the firehouse. You know, I type of thing. Dave, I think the guys that fade away after their career were never, a lot of them weren't present or into the job to begin with. And that's a blanket statement. So I got to be careful with that. But the ones, the the guys that you're meeting down South in Florida now and in, in the, uh, you know, the retirement capital of the world, if you will, (laughs) you know, they still, I know there's a lot of active like retiree groups down there that they get together and so on, but you know, you're not finding the guys I would, I would venture to say, you're not finding the guys that were absolutely in love with the job showing up at these retired meetings. And that, the reason why I say that is because I'm a firm believer that the the fire service, when you're in love with it and when you're when you're doing it 
because you want to do it. Meaning like you're doing it not for your own take, but you're doing it for the, for the give, right. To, to give back, to do more, right. to be part of a the, team, to be civic calling. minded. It's a calling, right. All of that. Right. When, when you, when you have that type of mentality about the job, it, it becomes a lifestyle. It has nothing to do with it being a job any longer. It is a lifestyle. Like my wife and kids know that the American fire service is my passion. It is my life. And they are, and they get to see and be a part of this lifestyle that I've chosen to be a part of. Because for me, the only way I can remain passionate and excited about it is if I immerse myself in it to a point where it takes over and becomes my lifestyle. It's not yeah, for everybody. It's not no, for everybody. And, and you talked with Jay about that, too. It's not. And one of the issues I think we have, we try to tell people that it is. Anybody can do this, you know, and we're going to make accommodations and everybody can do this. And then the problem we have is you know, there's recruitment drives in different places, et cetera, et cetera. You know, come on, you got this, you know, you can be a firefighter. We want you, we want you, we want you. And then when they're, you know, look, dude, I would not climb a tower to change one of those aircraft warning red light things (laughs) or be a coal miner or dude, nope, 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 nope. You know, there, there's a whole list of things yeah. My fortitude would go. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but we tell people they can be. And when they wash out in rookie school and there's lawsuits or they get pissed off or whatnot else, they turn around and say, well, you told me I could do this. And we're selling them a bill of goods. And I believe that the fire service training should be exclusionary because it is not for everybody. You know, and I'm sure I'm going to ruffle some feathers saying that, but I believe it fully because we have all seen the results of training not being exclusionary. And we all, whether we want to admit it or not, we've all seen that. We've seen that person bail and run. We've seen that person not even commit. You know, (laughs) let's get a room of a thousand firefighters right now. Raise your hand. Have you ever heard? Oh, there's something wrong with my mask. Yeah, come on. Dave, you let know? me let me ask you this, Dave. You uh, what were the years that you were actively riding on, you know, in your career? 76 to 2004. So in 76, 77, the 80s, right? I mean, it was a little bit different of a time back then, right? And yep. you know, with that though, there were always guys back then too that had an issue or oh, an yeah. excuse, oh. right? So it, this always isn't has been. this isn't new. It's no. just, it's become, I think, maybe more uh, widespread or problematic because some of those people now have infiltrated the ranks of seniority and officership and command positions and administrative positions where now they're dictating policy and procedure and guidelines based upon a cowardly or a sham of a career. Couldn't said it better myself. So, so what that then does is it raises a lot of flags, right? Because now it's you have those go getters. I was I did a I did an episode yesterday with James Denny out of Del Rio, Texas. Man, small little city on the border down there. Those guys get oh, their yeah. ass. Those guys get their oh, asses yeah. kicked every single day. They get their asses kicked some, down there. I know some Leos down there, and that's oof. Oh that's yeah, hundred hundred percent right. But he can't smile enough about his love for the job, and he calls his young guys hard charger he called himself a hard charger and i'm like that is awesome because i believe it i watch it and then i think about what we're talking about right now and you put people that are not hard chargers and that's what made me think of this but you you then put in a command staff or administration people that aren't hard chargers that don't endorse their people that don't want to push boundaries and make us better make the job better protect the people better and serve the community that they're sworn to serve right like our mutual friend mo davis right that guy yes. that oh, guy man. will do anything for the civilians anything. he protects and that Absolute means going 100%. downtown getting called out on the rug by the chief of department and everything else in between that guy is committed to what he swore he would do if every fire chief was mo davis our fire service would be amazing yeah not that it isn't, but yeah, it would be I get it. that much more amazing. I get it. So what do we do, just, Dave? What do we do? Well, You've been around a long I, time. I think, you know, I think 
Go ahead. Well, it's everything cyclic, right? Um, we're going to see a transition. I do believe that people are starting to learn. You know, it, it, it's just like everything else. Man, when I went through, let's see, it was, went from fire service to EMS, then EMS to hazmat, then it was turnout gear, you know, then it was SCBA. There's always something, and then it was like, well, you're stupid if you don't have a college degree. And, you know, a lot of people, and then all of a sudden, great senior firefighters that would make awesome lieutenants were denied the opportunity to become a company officer or a great captain or lieutenant was denied the opportunity to promote to chief to be more of an influencer because they didn't have a college degree because back in my day, you didn't need one. But then all of a sudden, this four-year person shows up, zero experience, and they get the job. And now they're telling this individual who's, you know, climbed how many ladders went down, how many hallways, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. What? And that, and that's what I hope we're on the tail end of that because I think that's started to play out. I think people are realizing that um, that tenure time does mean something. Well, you start. I, yeah, go ahead. Go. But it go, but it goes back to being present. I think. And, and yes, I keep wandering off. And I, no, that's okay. But that's okay. But the 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 presence to know what you're capable of. The presence to know. Do you have a dogma? Do you have a, a belief system? Do you have a Mo Davis belief system? Or do you have, you know, a belief system that isn't about uh, the people? You know, I've, I've heard, <laughs> I have heard chief officers, I've heard company officers. One, they either won't go in or they won't go in tight spots. Or two, they won't stand up for their people. I've, I've heard this said. You know, no, I'm not putting my neck out there because my career is too important. You know, and, and you see this dichotomy. You know, you see this sure. uh, the opposite ends of the spectrum. But being present, there there is, and what do you want out of the job? And I think that can vary as much as uh, ice cream stands flavors. But do you want to be the best? And I'm going to say this. People bear with me. It's it's for my time. Because I think it has a particular meaning to it. I don't want to be a fire department employee. Yeah. I want to be a fireman. Yes. And, you know, I, uh, Jenny Grimma is one of my instructors when we go to FDIC. And, and she's fantastic. She's like, dude, I'm a fireman. <laughs> I love that. You know? Jenny's and, amazing. Yeah. It, yeah. It, but that's what she envisions. She's present. That's what she sees. That's what she does. You know, uh, she works harder probably at being a fireman than any two guys I know, truly. I mean, the passion that burns within her, and and she's there to do that job. You know, you can, um, you can see the pre being present in her eyes when she's working at stuff, you, yeah. you know, because I've taught next to her. Uh, I've taken from her. I teach for her. You can see being present, and she is present. Um, Let me ask you I this, Dave. Being present requires tremendous focus. Right on my, on, my, on my notepad that's, here, I wrote down being present equals focused, right? Yeah, so you got, that, and that's where I was going. Yeah, go. What are, you fo what are you focusing on? Dude, you could be present and be out, you know, be on the bleachers somewhere. What are you focusing on? Where is that focus? What's your target? You know, what is your target? It's, it's not, it's not time for the shotgun approach. You need to be a sniper because there is one thing you need to be able to do and to do it to the best of your ability. Are you, are you physically okay? You don't have to, you know, you don't have to come on my crew and bench 240. You know, you don't have to run marathons, but I need you to be able to do this job. I need you to be able to get up a ladder, to force a door Look, it's physical. You know, if it was easy, you know, old guys and the cops would be doing it. But it's, <laughs> it's you know, it's it's physical, and we're supposed to be spent when we're done. Yeah. You know, I, uh, but mentally, what are you focusing on? Is your mind in the game? Are you looking at it 
as I'm just going to another call or you look at it like, dude, we're hitting a hot LZ and this is fire combat. Yeah. For real. Let me, I had a Viet, mm -hmm. I had a Vietnam vet decorated Vietnam vet talked to me last week. Guy had been around the block a few times, you sure. know, and he goes, you know something? He said, I did 400 days in country, got shot at most of them. He goes, you guys go to fires every day. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And it was in, it, it's like the, the fool said, you know, the war that never ends and, um, and all that. So yeah. what, what are you focused on? Are you focused on that end result? Are you focused on your training? Are you the best that you can possibly be? I think Jay made another point when guys started branching out in the tech rescue and stuff, the department can get weird because you're bringing stuff back. They don't know. Yes. And they get very unnerved by that. Sure. Sure. But being present is I want all your systems as high as they can possibly be before you get into that seat. Your focus, your cognizance, your knowledge, your training, your muscle memory, it needs to be there. Yeah, you hit on a, a couple of things. I just want to I just want to bounce back a little bit, Dave. So the one thing you talked about was um, early on, you talked about being present also requires you to be present in your own life, meaning, you know, you got to be focused on what and where you are so that if you're in a place of, uh, uh, you know, if you're in a good place yourself, that means you're present then and, and can afford to be present for others and do the job, right? So it goes to that thing where you check it at the door when you walk in, you know, at the firehouse and so on, right? So my, my question is, though, is as you become present and you're fully in touch and focused on yourself, sometimes, though, we swing it out too far the other way and we focus too much on ourselves, and not enough on the greater good or not enough on the company. And and that has a great effect and an impact on the company, on your services provide or services offered and, and given in your performance, right? So we have to be careful in finding that fine balance. Now, when you go back to the, you know, 76 when you started, Dave, like guys didn't talk about their feelings. It wasn't really yeah. focused upon the individual. It was always the job in front of them and whatever vices or issues they had in their life outside of the firehouse, typically it didn't interfere with their job. Right. You were part of the collective. Correct. Right. But uh, now. Absolutely. And it was and the reputation. And I think that's one of the things I'm glad you said that because it just popped into my head. Yeah. Back then it was the reputation of the company. Uh, when I started, that mattered. That was that was it. When I started as a volunteer for stations, um, and, and it was in a very large township, each one had its own identity. Same fire department, four different stations, and essentially four different departments. If you get right down to it, um, each one, you know, two were rural, very rural, uh, but starting to build. Another one had the highway and a mall and this, that, and the other. And, and we were the suburban places. You know, we, we were covering the bedroom communities. But we, there was that, you know, twos is better than anybody else. We had that mentality. It was the company. It was the company. Then when I got on uh, the Heights, it was the department. You worked on the department's reputation, right? How it, yeah. how it played in mutual right. aid, how sure. it played in everything else. Then as, as I got older, it kind of went back to my shift. And you are 100% right. And we've all had rough experiences with that. That focus, then you get blinded by um, ability. You get bond, blinded by restrictions. You start internalizing and, and looking at it way too much instead of still seeing how it plays out, how it blends in with everything else. Um, you know, and especially in, in the small towns, dude, you know, you, you got to watch it because you don't want to be that individual that nobody wants to be 
across from. In yeah, the and and you know we need to put a priority back on the collective, and I I think that the individual company identity is starting to get lost. I mean, not everywhere. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's there are departments that have incredible pride, or companies that have an, an impeccable reputation. There's companies that have shitty reputations, right? But right. we we need to be sure that. You're a part of that equation of making that company good or bad. And that takes you and makes you work harder to do that. And when you're focused on yourself or your or things that are happening outside the firehouse are interfering with your decision making or attention span within the firehouse, that's where the collective suffers because now you're not an active and willing participant. You're there because you have to be, but your thoughts are elsewhere. And so you're not focused and you're not present, but you're physically there. But man, you bring nothing to the table at that point. And I think right. what and I think what's happening more and more is that is becoming the place because we are telling everybody you need to focus on yourself. You need to do much more for yourself. Be in touch with yourself and work it out. And I get that. I'm not downplaying any of that, but there is a time and a place too. And I think we've swung too far. And this is just my personal feeling. I think oh, we've, no, I'm with you. I think with we've you. swung too far out on the individual tree and we got to swing back towards the middle of that tree now, right? Like that branch, we, we swung all the way out and now we need to start bringing it back a little bit and saying like individual, you know, responses to everything doesn't work. We're exactly. watching society break down. We're watching schools break down. We're watching jobs break down. We take people out of the office because of COVID. And now these companies are realizing, like, we need to put people back in the offices, right? This working from home was to appease everyone. And it becomes very comfortable and complacency creeps in. But guess what happens? So does everything else. And then all of a sudden, the individual becomes more important than the whole. And I think we need to get away from this you know, concept that we need to be so concentrated on ourselves and start concentrating on others. Start concentrating back on the mission or the fire company or your family or your children. Get out of your own heads and start picking up some responsibility and start including others into the equation of making life better. And I, re I just, I bring everything back to the fire service because that's how my brain works because I'm, I'm so entrenched in the fire service. And I look at what society looks like today and I'm like, man, the fire service parallels society. People have checked out. People don't hold doors open anymore. People don't ask how people are doing. And we need to get away from that because we're so wrapped up in our own shit that we're not thinking about anything greater than ourselves these days. I, I, I rant, rant over. <laughs> No, I agree. And, and, and I've seen that in, I don't hear anymore about the roofing parties. Hey, you know, I, I'm thinking about tearing off my roof, but what time? Yeah. You provide the pizza and the beer, there's going to be 10 guys there banging nails. It's because guys don't know how to swing yeah. hammers anymore. Well, that too. <laughs> you know, uh, when I've, when I've had to move a, a couple of times, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was my guys. It was, yes. you know, guys from my department yes. that helped. Um, when somebody has fallen ill, who shows up, you know? I get it. Uh, uh, my dad passed away back in 98, and the first guy through the door was a guy that had been on my volunteer fire department way back in the 70s. The first guy through the door. And that... I would like to see that come back. And it's not unlike what you were saying, you know, and you're right about the, the internalizing it. But I think what I wanted to make with my point about being present yes. is this is, this is a machine. This is a machine. It's like being dealt a hand of cards. Everything has its own value, its own suit. It's, you know, what do you bring to that hand? Um, what do you bring to that crew? You know, we parallel it with military operations. And all that kind of stuff. Everybody has a job. Be present at your assignment. Be present. If if you have the nozzle, you better be checking that, dude. That's that's you know the name of the game right there. Yeah, but uh, I don't go to fire as much anymore. We don't go off. And the guy checked well, it on and, the last tour, like right? Uh, right, right. Yeah. So what we started doing was. We, we were fortunate. We had a couple places we could go. We could throw water lay lines, throw ladders, things along that line, you know, do some survival stuff, you know, some abandoned places and all that. 
you know, um, guys like Steve Robertson's good for that too. You sure. Know? Um, let's let's go. Come on. I, you know, tell you what, if you guys get this operation done, I'm buying snow cones, or I'll buy the ice cream tonight. And we did. You know, we go out on drill. I don't care whether they did good or bad. If they won or lost, I still bought them snow cones in the summer. You know, but it was. We always had some kind of drill. We always kept something moving. Um, it. How do we get rid of? To, how do we get rid of the distractions of today? Because everybody's wrapped up in their own shit, and so there's distractions coming in from all angles, right? And everybody will, t- you know, everybody's dealing with their own stuff, right? And then how do we? How do we get back to a place where when you come in through the front door, I want you to be present and I want you here? How do? How do we do that, Dave? I, I, you know, I've been told by a couple of people I would not survive in today's fire service. I know you wouldn't. You, you probably <laughs> wouldn't. But you know what? I, I need a few more of you because we need to turn over the apple car. We need to rock the boat to the point that it capsizes sometimes because that's the only way when it skews so far out extremism then you know what used to be normal now looks like extremism, but it's not extremism. It's 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 a way. And we need to get back to a way. Now, things change. Technology changes. Education changes. And so on. And I get that. And the fire service has to change with time. But we can't let go of the core values that this is a blue collar. You're going to get hurt. You're going to bleed. You're going to throw up. You're going to take a trip to the hospital. You're going to get hurt in this job. You're going to be there to provide assistance and safety for our residents and their property. Like, there's core principles that we can't sacrifice. And when you're fucking distracted, excuse me, Dave, but when you're distracted and you don't bring your game to the table every day and you're not present, those main principles of the American Fire Service suffer. Well, there's a couple of things. One, we'll never get to, but it was always a, a thorn in my side. We are the only service that permits cowardice. We do nothing about cowardice. We talk, don't. Talk about that. I mean, people bail. There have been, you know, I've, I've talked to survivors of close calls where there was a line of duty death. You know, it wasn't done, but it was close. And the whole thing started because of cowardice. Just somebody didn't want to hang in there. Somebody didn't want to keep the line flowing. You know, they were, uh, they, ju- they just left. They weren't present. <laughs> um, there's, there's a couple out there. Uh, one, one big city, a uh, uh, female firefighter, the crew bailed because they didn't like the conditions, didn't bother to tell her they were going type of thing. Um, I talked to the chief officer that was there and he said it was disgusting. But I, you know, that's, that's a union thing. That's a, a city thing. That's a, a whatever thing. Nobody gets drummed out for cowardice. And it happens a lot. Yeah. And I, I can't agree with you more, but I think that goes back to the way we pitch the fire service. We don't say, are you good enough to join us? We say, oh, everybody, come on in. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. Um, you know, I would never... Um, I'm writing that one down. Are you good enough to join us? Are you good enough to join? I love that. I just, I wrote, I've I've been taking a lot of notes. You've had a lot of great one-liners throughout this whole episode so far. And and that is one of them because that sets the tempo from day one. We're always going, we want you. Yeah. We want people to want us. Meaning if you want us, that means you want to be here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, the best guys I know. I mean, you have people that you would say, dude, I'd go anywhere with them. And we knew we would go anywhere with them. And it's funny how I see, you know, back in the day, it was probably one out of 10. It's like, dude, you need to go, you know, do shoes at Kmart. Now it's one or three out of 10 that I'd go down the hallway with this guy or this gal type of thing. Yeah. But anyway. I, I think one of the things I would do, especially when it comes to technology today, and, and I've been trying to give this some thought because we obviously, you know, deal with um, people that, uh, you know, as soon as they sit, boom, out comes the phone. Right. Uh, this, that, and the other. And I know there are house rules in some places. The phone goes in the basket. No phone's at the table. Sure. You know, uh, and all that. 
But I'm wondering if, if I was still in there, if I would say, as soon as I saw somebody pull out a phone, I would say, hey, do me a favor. Look up this fire for me. Yeah. Because I can't quite remember, you know. Right. I, I, I can tell you, you know, Davenport. I can tell you Worcester. I can tell you, um, you know, Hackensack. I can tell you all these other ones. But it's like, hey, do me a favor. Pull out your phone. Look this up. You know, hey, guys, come here a minute. Read what it says there. Because I think what we need to do, and it, it struck me the other day. We were in uh, Sioux and Arrow, North Carolina and went to uh, the Battle of Calpins, uh, South Carolina, the battlefield. And I had an ancestor that was in the Continental Army. He was killed there. And the Battle of Calpins is loose, is what um, the Patriot, Mel Gibson's movie, is loosely based upon. Okay, got it. Okay. And he comes up with the ID. He says, they said, well, you know, the British come up, and the militia always, you know, just melts away and falls back. And he goes, yeah, let's use that to our advantage. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, Let's go out and act like militia. And that's what they did. The British Army, you know, is like this juggernaut coming at them. You've got this line of militia screening an entire complement of continental regulars that are hidden from view. So what happened was the British come right at them. The militia do what militia does. They fire once or twice, and then they run like hell. Yeah. And it was all planned. It was all planned because that's what the British were used to seeing. So the Brits come forward and all of a sudden, hey, guess what? And they got their asses handed to them. So I'm wondering if we take this technology thing, fine. You want to be on your phone? I want you to look something up. Hey, you, over there, um, you know, figure we out some friction loss for this side or the other. Hey, if we've got this... You know, we've got a high rise going in, you know, we've got a, a sprinkler system. We've got standpipes. We got to deal with start looking stuff up. Tell me what you find. Use it to our advantage. Oh, you know, I agree. Like I mean, it's just, militia. it can be just another tool and it's the same thing with, you know, it, but, we can't keep vilifying it because it's not going anywhere. And so we need to incorporate it and we need to but find, we in, mm-hmm. but we, but we engage them. We give them a purpose. hundred percent now. Yeah. And now maybe they'll go, Oh, and it also said, see this article. Oh, yeah, what's that one about? Now you've got them going down the fire service rabbit hole. Yes. And then maybe, just maybe, there might be some engagement. And who knows? At some point in time, they might be present. Yeah, I I, I think there's tremendous merit to all that. And I think that a lot of guys do use it in that regard, um, you know, and so on. So, I mean, it, it, there's definitely an upside to it. And, you know, when you have every answer or anything you want at your fingertips – it, it's a double-edged sword. And so what we need to do in the fire service is we can't vilify it. What we have to do is take it and allow for it to be present and then put it to good use that benefits us, the greater good, yes. right? Don't let them use it to promote themselves and the individual. Use it to promote the betterment of the company and the department or knowledge base for everyone because then you're still focusing and being present for the company. Yeah, hundred yes, percent, brother. I love it, man. So, what's next for Dave Gallagher, man? We've been rapping for quite a while. I love it. I love chatting with you. I know you've been busy. Um, what do you have going on? Are you going to be teaching anytime soon? Well, uh, I'm very fortunate to have gotten asked to uh, go up to Long Island to the Joey D. Well, it's next weekend it's, already. Uh, I'm looking. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to. Um, you know, I had talked with Joey. Joey was a friend. I saw him. Sue and I actually had dinner with him in Baltimore in the August before he passed away. Yeah. You know, his dad's a friend. Jeff Cool's a friend. Sure, of course. Uh, we've got that. Got a couple, uh, been asked to participate in a couple things down here. Good. Uh, with some of the uh, Fools chapter. Going to be down in Hollywood, Florida, do some forcible entry stuff in November and December. Oh, good. And then, uh, yeah. Staying busy. Uh, and then. We'll see what happens from there. Good. Well, <laughs> so, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a busy winter. I know that because you're gonna be writing your memoir. And ah, yeah, that's right. You knew that's I was right. gonna start. You knew I was circling <laughs> yeah. back to this. So, I was Dave, I slide out of here. <laughs> I will say, I will say this. Right, um, you know, talk about somebody that's being present. Uh, every time you and I've connected and talked, and our has our friendship has grown, and and our brotherhood and camaraderie and all that. You know, you are always present. And, um, and I appreciate that. And, and what I get from you are these little, 
nuggets that you drop and that my mind just wanders, right? And and where I'm going with this and why I want you to write your memoir, it has to do with the small, you know, the the smaller career department in suburbia USA and all I get all that, right? But you went to plenty of fires there. And so, you know, your experience in in, in operations and tactics and so on is sound and, and it's there with any urban firefighter. I, that's not the point of why I want you to write this memoir. And I want you to know this. You just said 90 seconds ago in this podcast that you had dinner with Joey DiBernardo before he passed. You're, you've been so entrenched in the fabric of the American Fire Service. I think it needs to be pointed out because I think you know, but you don't talk about it often. But every time I talk to you, there's another story that pops out, just like you just mentioned casually, right? Like, the, you have been such a staple in the fabric of what the fire service has been in the United States for the last like 50 years. And it's, it's incredible when you share these stories with me, because for me, who's just a, such a student of, of what, of what this is, this institution, I'm such a student of it. And talking with you, I just sit there and I'm in awe of where you were in history when certain things have happened and how ingrained you are. And that has everything to do with, your want and desire to be a part of what's happening in the fire service and watching you how many years with FDIC and teaching and firehouse expo and doing hands-on across the country and the opportunities and the connections that you've made. I mean, the list of people that you've had interactions with shared a fire with shared a story with shared a beer with that list is goes on and on. And frankly, it makes for an incredible story and career. Well, you're very kind. I, I've been truly blessed. Uh, God's put me in some really great places. You know, when I was looking for mentorship and I couldn't find it uh, within my own four walls, I realized that a lot of these people who I was taking classes from, you know, the, the Dugans, Presslers, Salkas, Lombardos, uh, uh, and I wish more of the people today knew those names better. Yes. Um, because they're the foundation. We, we stand on their shoulders. More of the uh, reason why you the, need to write your book. It. But, um, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, and, and I've got John Norman's book, and, and just I love reading the fire story. You know, it, it was funny. We talked about Top Gun Maverick, and uh, we were with a couple last week, and the guy was an F-14 pilot, and he goes, I love Top Gun. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> I said, you, you can't be serious. He goes, no, I think it's pretty cool. And I'm thinking, they're like, well, do you like backdraft? I was like, oh, let's not go there. But, uh, hey, you know, you'd watch Chicago Fire? No, I don't. Uh, so the firehouse scenes are always the best. Yes. Because you know, yes. we can never replicate the, the other. There's just no way. Um, but just going through, uh, I've been put some great places, but I was, I was looking for the mentorship. And found out, you know, that these people were approachable. And then you see him hanging out, you know, champ for crying out loud. And uh, you sit down and have a beer. And it, and that's what I always told people. I said, we weren't talking sports. We weren't talking anything but going to fires. Yes. And you just sit there and you just take it all in, jot it down, stick it in your head, you bring it back. And I got to the point where I wasn't even telling the department anymore. It was just like, hey, guys, come on, we're going out on the drill. And it'd be like, oh, this is cool. I said, I know this guy showed me this, right? And um, and I, I think that's why we we became pretty good. Yeah, I, mean, I had some of I had some of the best guys going, but uh, I think that um, it, and you and I've talked about this, uh, and I think we I said something about it in Houston. I I would really like anybody getting ready to get into the fire service or needing a shot in the arm. Uh, or something like that, look up Jill Friedman's book, Firehouse, and look up the her forward. Yes. And look about what she says. I think if, if that doesn't stir you, like Croker said, to something, don't get out. Make, you know, make a place for somebody that wants it, you know, somebody that wants to know if they're good enough. So, and somebody that wants to be present. But I, love I think it, brother. her words, I think her words are exemplary. That's awesome. Well, thank you. And uh, thank you for taking an hour out of your day today and just chatting with me because I I think what the the value that people get out of this and this episode in particular is going to be great. And um, I always enjoy your time. I enjoy your friendship. Uh, You were on the podcast before where we captured your story probably two years ago now. 
And today, before we started this conversation, I went over to my memento shelf, my shelf that I put everything that matters to me the most in, in, in regards to what I've, the relationships I've made, the people I've met in, in, through National Fire Radio and through my fire service career over the last 28 years. And in front of me, I have a compass from you. Says Jeremy Donge, National Fire Radio. In truth, lives honor with utmost respect. OJ, brother, I can't thank you enough. This is a keepsake that I have on my shelf that means the world to me. And the fact that you took time and thought of me to send me this means the world. And uh, I cherish it, and I cherish your friendship. So thank you, brother. Absolutely, hundred percent, brother. It's uh, it's a good thing. Good. good thing. So I get to see you next week. I'm excited to see you at a Joey D. It's going to be a nice weekend for an incredible cause. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, sharing a few laughs, brother. Absolutely, my brother. Safe travels. Dave Gallagher, thank you so much for joining me. Stay right here. Don't hang up. I just want to close out, and uh, and then I'll get right back to you. So, everyone, thanks for tuning in for another episode of National Fire Radio on the audio podcast channels. We appreciate your support. Please like, follow, and share the podcast with the guy sitting across from you in the engine or the guy in the kitchen or even your wife. Maybe she'll get an insight into what we do. Anyway, it's important to talk about the job because when we talk about the job, we make the job better. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.